I think we would all agree that we are living in a rapidly changing society. Things have changed drastically since I was a young guy. The morality of our country, the politics of our country, and for those of us who have strong sentiment and beliefs and feeling about what is right and wrong, it's sometimes easy for us to maybe respond in a way that's inappropriate. And so tonight we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. If you use one of the pew or chair Bibles, it'll be on page 589. But we're just going to take a brief look at these verses. <clears throat> tonight we're looking at one of God's commands. And it is that we are to submit to the civil authorities. Again, we live in a time when we may have great disagreement with the civil authorities. So it's important that we take a look at this. As I started thinking about this passage, I was reminded of the Great Commission passage in Matthew 28 when Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. When we talk about submission, we're talking about submitting to authority. God has placed others in authority within our society, but ultimately all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ, and we are to fall in submission under him and under his will. Under Christ's authority, we are to live and to speak the gospel as a witness to this world. If what we do does not measure up with what we say, then what we say has no meaning to the world. And the Lord has established an authority structure in every area of our lives. And we need to be reminded that there is in the heart of every sinner, all of us, rebellion against authority. In fact, the entire biblical narrative is a story of God's authority over mankind. And we see early on in scripture, soon after the creation, that the first man and first woman rebel and they disobey against God's commands but the scripture marches finally to a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's all about authority. Tonight, we will see God's command regarding civil authority and our submission to it. So look in First Peter, or be ready to look there, in chapter 2, verse 13. <clears throat> because we love the Lord and we want to be submissive to him, we would like sometimes to claim submission to the authority of God, yet choose to rebel against human authority, using our own judgment when it comes to man-made rules and laws. But God does not permit us to do so. <clears throat> In every aspect of our lives, we are to be a testimony, a witness, of the transforming power of Jesus Christ who by his spirit dwells within you and within me. 
we are to be a living argument for the truthfulness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this includes how we are to live as citizens of the United States of America. We are to be ambassadors for Christ <clears throat> as though God were entreating through us. Our lives don't belong to us anymore because we are followers of Christ. Scripture says that your body and mine are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in us, whom we have from God, and we are not our own, for we have been bought with a price. Therefore, we are to glorify him in our body through obedience in every area of life, observing all that Christ has commanded, including obedience to human authority that God has placed in your life. So whether you're a child and it's the authority that God has given your parents, whether you're in the workplace and have a boss that is in authority over you, whether it's in the family, whether it's in the church, in every area of society, God has given authority structure. But as long as sin still lives within us, you and I need restraints. We need guardrails. We need protection from ourselves, if you will, if we are to bring God glory and silence those who would criticize us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In short, life is not about us. It is all about him. And we are to live to Jesus Christ not to Tom Chain, not to anybody else, not for my desires and for my wishes and my wants and my happiness and my joy or whatever, but I am to live to Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live to themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. We are to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Earlier in this chapter of 1 Peter 2, it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, not just by what we say, but by how we live our lives. <clears throat> so let's look briefly in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 13. We'll go through verse 17. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. In the context of these verses, uh, Jeff, I think, taught last time on verses 11 and 12 
But in these verses that go from 11 down through verse 20, Christians are defined in three ways. Last time we saw that we were defined as sojourners or exiles, or in a different translation it may say aliens and strangers. Yes, we are of this world, but yet we live in a kingdom that is above this. We are citizens of heaven and citizens of the family of Jesus Christ. We are called to live above the world. We belong to a different dimension of life, life by those who are inhabited by the Holy Spirit of God, citizens of the kingdom of God, not a part of this world, yet called to live in it to God's glory, not for our happiness, not for us, but for the glory of God. And in this passage tonight from verses 13 through 17, we are defined as citizens within this world. And next time we'll be looking at verses 18 through 20 where we are defined as servants. So we are aliens and strangers, we're citizens, we are to be servants. So how are we to be citizens? Basically, we are commanded to live in submission. That goes against our grain as humans but we are to live in submission. But we're gonna answer briefly six questions. What is God's command regarding submission? What is the motive for being submissive? What is the extent to which we submit? What is the reason for why we submit? What is our attitude with which we submit? And what is the application of how we do it. Simply, what is the command? Verse 13, be subject. Simply means submit yourselves to come underneath. It means to willingly submit to every human authority that God has placed in your life. And see it as a good thing, as a blessing, as a protection. This is not how we as humans tend to think. We tend to think that rules and regulations and those who have authority over us may be a hassle or a difficulty or a curse, but yet God has given them to us as a blessing and as a protection of us. There's a companion verse in Romans, or passage in Romans chapter 13. It says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. You mean leaders that we don't like are God's ministers? Yes. You mean he's put them there? even though we don't agree with them or they seem to be totally off track, 
yes. <clears throat> so we are to submit willingly as a good thing, as a blessing to us. But what is the motive? Look again in verse 13, but be subject for the Lord's sake. Our lives are to be a testimony of Jesus Christ in every way. It's for his sake, for his name's sake, that we do not bring reproach upon him or dishonor his holy name. It's in verse 5 of that Romans 13, it says, Therefore, one must be in, in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. We want to honor God. We want to be pleasing to God. We want to bring him glory. That is to be our motive. We don't want to be known as those who are civilly disobedient and disrespectful of human institutions. We live in a time when our politics is so divided that there is, there's hatred, there's anger, there's total disrespect, there's not even a sense of listening to one another anymore. Yet Christians are called to be respectful. To say we are Christians and that we have been made righteous and then conduct ourselves in civil disobedience is to send a very confusing signal to the society in which we live. So the command is be subject. The motive is for the Lord's sake. To what extent are we to submit? But subject or be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Not most, not the majority, but forget the ones that we disagree with, but to every human institution. Again, that Romans 13 passage, for there is no authority except from God and those who exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. God exercises his divine authority through the establishment of human authority, and we can't separate those two things. So in every sphere of life, whether it's government or family or the church or workplace, God has established authority. And to rebel against human authority is to rebel against God himself. And you may say, well, what about authority that is exercised unjustly? Look at verse 18, which goes just beyond our passage tonight. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. We aren't living in a time nearly as bad as Peter was when he wrote this. And yet he writes that we are to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. That included for him Nero. This side of eternity, human authority will never be perfectly just. But we are not allowed to look for escape clauses and give ourselves excuses to not submit ourselves to that authority. <clears throat> if obeying human authority 
I am ultimately submitting myself to God, then there will be times when human authority will demand that we do something that's in direct rebellion or conflict with the command of God. In that moment, we resist human authority and follow the authority of God. But I think we must be careful. Those instances are probably fairly rare. But it's a situation like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were told to bow and worship an idol. They were commanded to do so, but out of a greater allegiance to the Lord, they resisted that authority. Or Peter and the apostles in Acts chapter 5, when they were charged not to teach in Jesus' name, they said, we must obey God rather than men. So even when it's flawed, human authority, even when it's unjust, we are called to honor, respect, and submit to authority, and to do so joyfully and willingly as an act of worship. Verse 2, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him, from the very highest ranking of national officials to the most local, to our local police, even down to the crossing guard at the local elementary school, we are to submit to authority. And I would say a word, uh, we live in a day when our police are being abused. They're being demeaned. Uh, we have those who want to defund them and those who really want to push toward anarchy. And I would say to you, appreciate those who are in authority over you. Show appreciation to our police. If you see one out at a restaurant, buy their meal. Do something just to say thank you because they put themselves on the line every day and it's becoming more difficult for them to do their job. We're to be subject to the powers that be because they are ordained by God and God is sovereign and he rules as he wills. If you and I are ever persecuted or arrested for some reason, it must be because we are proclaimers of righteousness, not defiers of the law. And if we defy the law, then God has established government to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. That's the classic definition of the function of government. Romans 13, 3, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to good. <clears throat> so the command is be subject, the motive is for the Lord's sake. The extent is to every human institution. But what is the reason? If you look at verse 15, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put, the, put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. It's the will of God that we obey, that we submit ourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, that by your nobility, your dignity and how you carry yourself, by well-doing, by your righteous conduct, by your good citizenship, that you silence the critics. They have no reason to criticize Jesus Christ or his gospel. When it speaks of the ignorance of foolish people, it's not just their lack of knowledge but their willful, hostile rejection 
of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One other companion passage in Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Paul says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, we were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's the only reason that we are different. What is the attitude with which we are to submit? Verse 16, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 36, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And we are set free in Christ. We are freed by redemption, free from sin, free from Satan, free from condemnation, free from the world, but we dare not let our liberty become license to disobey and fail to submit to God's ordained government. Do not think that because we're free that we can put on a mask of Christian freedom, free in Christ, not bound to the world, and live any way that we want to. God does not permit us to do so. That's merely a mask of freedom that's covering our evil because we are being disobedient to the Lord. If we are truly righteous, we will conform to God's word because his word says that our freedom should be used as a bond slave of God. 1 Corinthians seven twenty-two: for he who was called in the Lord as a bond servant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was freed when called is a bondservant of Christ. Yes, we are free, but we're free to be slaves of Christ. Real freedom is found in being a servant of God. A wonderful freedom. It's the lowest level of servitude. Our citizenship in heaven, our freedom in Christ, our belonging to the kingdom of God does not allow us to abuse the standards that God has established for us on earth. That kind of license would only be a covering for evil. We submit in freedom for the Lord's sake. We are at all times to be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, including Fort Smith and Barling, Arkansas. And finally, what is the application in our passage? Verse 17, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. That statement is our citizenship theology. 
honor everyone. You mean even the really bad folks? Yes, because all are created in the image of God. We oftentimes like to make judgment for why certain people are the way they are and we don't know their life and we don't know their situation. They are a human being that need the love of Christ and they need the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we are to honor everyone. That's the widest general humanitarian sphere. Give to all human beings, whether good or bad, a basic respect and an honor regardless of their social standing, their race, or where they stand on the authority ladder. Secondly, love the brotherhood. That's us. That's generally much easier to do because we are brothers and sisters in the faith. We're family in God. And so we are to love the brotherhood, those with whom we worship and serve and fellowship and pray. Then we are to fear God, live every day in an awe of his presence and his authority. It's a special fear appropriate to God and God only and no one else. We honor men freely, but we are not to fear men. We bow to God's absolute authority and we are to do so reverently. And finally, honor the emperor. That just takes us back to verse 13, that we are to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. We are to show respect to whoever the ruling, reigning source or authority is. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. It's citizenship that witnesses of Jesus Christ and he who lives within us. But you and I must confess that we have not arrived in all these areas. We don't always love or appreciate authority. We must ask God for help. There is still inside of us a bent toward rebellion, and we must be cautious about that. Well, as we close and we're getting ready to go to the Lord's table, remember this. Our hope is to be found in Jesus, who submitted himself to his Father's authority. And in submitting himself to his Father's authority, he submitted himself to human authority, even to human injustice, being willing to be wrongly condemned, willing to be tortured, willing to have the vilest of human authority exercised against him so that in his submission, our hearts could be transformed. So that there will be a day for all of us when we stand in that company, no longer wanting our own way, and we confess him as Lord, and we do that for all eternity and forever and forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for the boundaries that you've given us because we all at heart are rebels. Thank you, Father, that you have given authority structure in every area of our life. We pray that under your command and in submission to you that we would simply be willing to obey, to do it willingly and joyfully and kindly 
living each and every day of our life as a witness of Jesus Christ and never bringing dishonor to your name. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.